This episode of the Security Ledger podcast is sponsored by Intel. Intel is an industry leader creating world-changing technology that enables global progress and enriches lives. Inspired by Moore's Law, Intel continually works to advance the design and manufacturing of semiconductors to help address customers' greatest challenges. By embedding intelligence in the cloud, network, edge, and every kind of computing device, Intel unleashes the potential of data to transform business and society for the better. To learn more about Intel's innovations, check them out at intel.com. Hello, and welcome to the Security Ledger podcast. I'm Paul Roberts, Editor-in-Chief at the Security Ledger. In this week's episode of the podcast number 210, I think we're of the mind at Intel that it's much better to be transparent and share the issues rather than to have a consumer assume that a product is safe just because nothing has been communicated about potential vulnerabilities. That's a very risky venture. The compromise of firms such as SolarWinds and Acelion in recent months have made clear to everyone that your organization's concerns about cybersecurity don't stop at the firewall. Indeed, as digital transformation takes hold across industries, the security of software providers and third parties is now integral to the security and safety of pretty much every organization. Security teams trained to monitor corporate perimeters and network traffic now need to concern themselves with flaws buried deep in third-party products and attacks that might come wrapped as software updates. But what does that increasing reliance and interdependence between customers and software providers mean, particularly when it comes to issues around software flaws and vulnerabilities? Do software and service providers owe it to their customers to be fully transparent about flaws or weaknesses in their platforms, even in advance of patches? Or is the byword among software providers still say nothing unless asked. These are questions that I put to our guests this week. Susie Greenberg is a vice president at Intel and a general manager of security communications and incident management at the Intel Product Assurance and Security Group. Susie leads the execution of Intel's global security communication strategy, as well as the company's response to matters involving product assurance and security. In this conversation, Susie and I talk about the work that she does in Intel, as well as about a survey that the company recently conducted, along with the Poneman Institute, to measure attitudes about vendor transparency around security. Among the survey's findings, 47% of those surveyed said that their technology provider doesn't provide transparency surrounding security updates and mitigations. To start off, I asked Susie about Intel's product security incident response team, their PCERT, and also how a company that makes chips that power a great deal of modern technology manages its own product security challenges. Susie Greenberg, Vice President and General Manager, Intel Corporation. Susie, welcome to Security Ledger Podcast. Thanks, Paul. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. So for folks who don't know you or haven't encountered you before, could you just talk a little bit about the role that you play at Intel? It's a pretty big job you've got. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm a vice president and general manager of security communications and incident response, uh, what we call PCERT at Intel in our product assurance and security group. And in this role, I really lead execution of our global security communication strategy and the way that we're tracking and responding to matters involving security issues, 
uh, coordinated vulnerability disclosure, and also our ecosystem engagements in this regard. Okay. So like I said, big job. Uh, <laughs> you know, Intel uh, obviously makes products that end up in a lot of other products, right? I mean, that is, um, that's just the nature of your business. So if you could, I mean, just talk a little bit about sort of the PCERT function within the company and kind of how it's grown and evolved over the years. Our PCERT is well-established. We've been in the industry um, working in this regard for about 18 years now. And we have a really robust way of working internally to ensure that we are tracking and mitigating the issues that either we're finding internally through our own efforts of uh, research, as well as externally working with our research community mm -hmm. and the bug bounty that we have in place that, that really encourages researchers to partner and work with us to mitigate these issues and communicate them to communities in a coordinated fashion, ensuring that we have the, the right mitigation in place that when these issues come to light, the protections are there for our customers. So it's been a, a really interesting uh, 12 months here with the COVID pandemic and just some huge kind of forced transitions for organizations from, you know, employees working remotely and from home and, and all the changes that that required. You've got a really interesting view there at Intel. I mean, what are your thoughts on what, what we saw in 2020, both in terms of threats and, you know, the demands that the companies have had to, had to meet to address COVID and also keep themselves cyber secure, I guess? Sure. Yeah, no, that's a great question. It's, uh, I saw an incredible stat where, um, you know, there was about a 300% increase in cybersecurity crimes reported to the FBI since COVID-19 started. That seems pretty staggering to me. And it really has changed the way the, the entire workforce is engaged today uh, with COVID-19. You know, there's a massive increase in the amount of data that's shared and it's all dispersed. We are working from home. We are working from anywhere and we're using multiple devices. So uh, if anything, the pandemic has demonstrated that it's incredibly essential for us to stay on top of security because the implications there, as you know, can be very uh, significant. We're seeing a, uh, an incredible uh, increase in spend on U.S. dollars for uh, critical infrastructure in this area. I think the number I recall seeing was about $106 billion. And, um, you know, there's just a, a lot of bad actors out there. So we believe that the, the effort around transparency and the work that we're doing in assurance around security can help everyone in the space be better prepared for the challenges that we're facing in these new environments and, you know, those that we expect to encounter in the future as well. You're listening to the Security Ledger podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Intel. So, I mean, you talked about the work that you do at, at PCERT and, you know, um, part of that obviously is the vulnerability disclosure and bug bounty programs and so on. Intel has actually done a study focusing on transparency and security assurance in technology decision making that kind of delves into some of the feelings and attitudes that customers have towards their own technology vendors around issues like, you know, vulnerability disclosure and help with patching and stuff like that. Talk just a little bit about kind of that study, what's behind it, and um, and some of the big kind of takeaways that you guys have from the, the results of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we 
uh, recently partnered with Ponemon Institute to sponsor this study. And at the root of this effort was really to better understand what is important to the industry and in turn, uh, you know, communicate that out to to share with the, the broader industry about what's important and, and what's needed. And then for us, Intel, we really wanted to to focus on what we needed to deliver that the customers want and need when it comes to ensuring trust with our, our partners and then, you know, just really bringing to light the features, the, the security and the, the best practices for, for how to, uh, to provide security assurance across the industry. I mean, one of the, I guess, encouraging data points coming out of that Poneman survey that you did is that there does seem to be pretty strong support amongst purchasers of technology, right? Companies that you know, they're more positively inclined towards companies that are communicate openly about security vulnerabilities, both when they're discovered, uh, fixed, and, and so on, rather than you know doing what I think companies often want to do, which is sort of bury the bad news. So I think 73% said they were more likely to purchase technologies from companies that were kind of open and transparent about that. That's right, Paul. And, you know, at the end of the day, those IT decision makers really value folks that are proactive and they want to know that they can trust the vendors. So the more you can communicate, the more proactive research and data that you can provide, the more the customer is going to feel that sense of trust. Right. And so, you know, we've really made it a, an ongoing commitment to, to take this seriously, to proactively identify and mitigate and disclose vulnerabilities in all of our products, and then also really closely work with external researchers to do the same. And, you know, we talked about the bug bounty program and those things really incentivize these researchers to foster a more collaborative environment and, and finding and mitigating those issues. And so we really try to share that best known method with more individuals and, and company so that we can really, you know, lift all boats and, and, and make the industry as a whole much more strong when it comes to a security. That said, you know, the survey also revealed that almost half of the respondents said that their own technology providers don't do a good job being transparent about security updates and mitigations. One question is, is that a misperception or does that seem like it's, yeah, that's kind of rooted in the fact that these are immature practices out there in the, in the marketplace? You know, I, I think that what it really comes down to is further education and, and helping folks understand that um, the vulnerabilities are there, right? So if you aren't finding vulnerabilities, it's just that you aren't looking hard enough. And it really is a, a group <laughs> industry effort to ensure that we're all actively looking at these issues and that we are providing transparency so that we can shed a light on the problems at hand and bring in the right technical experts to help solve these bigger challenges and problems that we have. Just because we don't find them doesn't mean that they don't exist. And I think that's really a big takeaway. Um, so this number, you know, I think you're right. It was like a 47%, you know, don't provide this transparency. And I, I think that there's a little bit of potentially fear behind that. You know, if we start to communicate these things, people will not uh, be trusting of our products. But, you know, at Intel, we really believe that it's quite the opposite, that the more transparent we can be, the more we can talk about the things that we're finding and that we're, you know, actively looking to mitigate and, and solve some of these problems is, is really going to lend to that long-term trust and support of our, our products, the technologies, and the company as a whole. 
it seems also like it's it's something that has increasing consequence for people because, of course, we're not just talking about enterprise technologies anymore. We're also talking about just a wide range of you know smart home and and smart uh, city and kind of Internet of Things technologies that are really out and about in in our physical lives, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a lucrative business, right? To exploit systems. And it's not just that interconnectivity. It's also online finances and personal data, you know, just kind of to riff on what's going on in the world right now. A lot of folks are having to put out educational videos about not sharing your COVID-19 vaccine card. I mean, oh my gosh, like everyone, your birth date is on there. <laughs> Get rid of that. You know, and it's a matter of, and I was reading an article the other day, it's like a matter of minutes before, you know, folks are getting pinged that uh, someone's trying to open a new bank account or uh, credit card with this information, uh, you know, minutes after they post it on Instagram. So it's just, um, there's... It's like, I know you're excited, but just take, take a second. Take <laughs> no. a Look at that thing you're about to post. Is there any, any sensitive information on there? Um Yes, yeah. there is. Please don't post your <laughs> do not COVID post, yeah. do not. vaccine cards. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think one of the other sort of worrying statistics was spoke to sort of the resource and funding issue, which is a huge percentage, something like 86% of the people who were polled in this survey within it, within organizations, within enterprise said that their security budget where they worked was not adequate to support a strong security posture. And and this isn't the first study that's sort of revealed that, you know, people feel like there isn't enough investment in IT security. I guess, what do you think about that? And how do we even measure that? I mean, should it, should it be a measure of, you know, percentage of IT spend? Uh, I mean, like, what is the right amount to spend on security? And how do we, like you said, how do you lift all boats um, if, if there is such obviously widespread feeling of underinvestment? You know, it's it's a staggering amount. It's not surprising to see that, you know, folks would like to see more investment in security infrastructure and, and IT budgets. You know, one of the other challenges, though, and what we found is that the budgets really are dispersed to a point where it's hard to be able to identify the actual like real bucket of money, where the decisions are being made and what are the priorities as well. You know, some of the budgets reside in IT. Uh, some of the budgets reside with the CISO and in other organizations that can reside in the business units. And so that creates a challenge as well, right? Because you don't have that visibility into the full bucket that you have of money to actually apply to these efforts. And then the decision-making process is also then dispersed amongst different people. And so you might not get a holistic approach in the way that you're actually spending those dollars that you might have just a limited amount for, right? So it's it's hard to efficiently do that as well because there's no consistent or best known practice for where the money should reside and how it should be spent. Right. And with with you know web-based applications too, like some of these could be just provisioned from individual employees and like, you know, expensed monthly. You know, I mean like you have you know, like, you know, you have no idea really what is actually being used within your organization because it's become so easy to just provision new services lickety split. It's hard to sometimes invest in something that isn't a known threat or a real threat to you in that very moment, right? And so we have to talk a lot about the, the potential for what could happen. 
what are these scenarios that could play out that could just be devastating to a company? Um, and, you know, a lot of times we we live in a world where it's like, well, that didn't happen. Or, you know, we, we were able to skate through that one. And it's like, you don't understand that on the back end, there's a lot of investment going on to really protect the customers, protect the company. But if we're doing our job, none of those things are going to come to light. And you're going to kind of think, well, why do we need to invest so much here? Nothing bad has happened, right? Kind of a victim of your own success in some ways. Yes, yes, exactly. So it's it's really educating folks on, you know, the investments today are are intended to really help support those issues in the future where the the cost to a company could be incredibly devastating. So um, we need to think about that as well. Yeah, I mean, we see that with obviously with ransomware and and you know the solar winds incident, and so on. That the the costs are going back. You know, not Petya. You know, costing hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, billions of dollars for companies to recover from those attacks. So yeah, the the stakes are no longer just you know okay we're, we're we lost our you know email server for a, for a day or it can be a, an existential threat. So what steps, you know, can vendors take to, you know, given that transparency seems to be a plus and that company, you know, the customers want their vendors to build, be more transparent and work openly around uh, security, what, what steps can vendors take uh, to kind of get themselves on that path? So I, I think there's a number of things that, that can be done to, to really kind of move this forward. Working in it as an industry is really critical in this regard. Um, you know, we are engaged with dozens of, of tier one companies that we partner with and, and communicate with on a regular basis as part of our coordinated vulnerability efforts. And, you know, that really is encouraging everyone to come together and, and to solve some of these hard problems that require great minds from a lot of different places. And, and really that ensures that we are working towards protecting uh, data proactively rather than after the fact, like we were just talking about. And then, you know, communicating as much as possible and, and really using that as a bridge to help build more trust with our customers and, you know, let them know that we are focused and intent on ensuring that we are finding these issues, you know, as many as possible before they get out the door, but that we also are proactively working with that external research community as well, so that when they find those things um, and we bring a light to them, that, you know, we are communicating that broadly and and making really folks feel like, you know, we have their backs and that um, we really have a proactive approach to these efforts and that it's, uh, it, it's critical for us all to be engaged and involved. I think that's really the key at the end of the day is that this can't just be a few folks that are trying to move this effort forward, that it requires everyone to have a singular focus on security and ensuring that we are communicating and and working to mitigate these issues as quickly as possible. I mean, one of the things that has become more common in addition to, you know, bug bounty programs are ethical hacking, you know, red teaming, um, that type of practice. And your survey with Poneman showed pretty quite strong support for those types of initiatives, hiring people to sort of hack their own stuff. What's your sense on how common that is in the marketplace these days for companies to fund those types of internal programs? And in addition to funding them, maybe also making some of the findings of them, you know, available to customers or at least make customers aware that that they're doing this. 
We're, we're seeing a lot of those ethical hacking programs uh, come up more and more across the industry. And this is really a positive trend um, where this is becoming more of the norm, you know, not just in technology, but in all communities and industries where folks are realizing that you don't need to be a technology or security vendor to have a program like this to critically look at your products and, and try to find things that need to be mitigated or improved upon. So, you know, our, our bug bounty program is a part of that from an external perspective and, and working with CBD and, and the process there. And, and that really does build that foundation for trust, that collaboration and, um, and, and being able to develop the mitigations and share those findings. So, you know, that's one of the things that we like to talk about when we go out and, and publicly disclose the number of things that we found in our own products within a given calendar year. I know you're familiar and have had a chance to look at our uh, 2020 product security report, you know, but sharing those, that data and, and, and being able to communicate the number of vulnerabilities that were addressed as a direct result of our investment in security assurance and, and ensuring that people understand that, you know, the, the CVEs that we're publishing um, were found by internal Intel researchers. About half of the full vulnerabilities were that that from that number. And, and just to clarify, other companies might not publicly disclose those if they were discovered internally, right? Like that's not right. not many do not many actually do, right. today. No, no. And so, you know, and we think this is really important. Um, and and we want it to be a role model from that perspective. And so that's why the, the product security report is so important. Is there a place for legislation here to compel that? Because I'll note, for example, I'm working on a story right now about some major agricultural equipment makers, won't name names, but you know there are only a few of them, with you know hundreds of billions of dollars in sales, very diverse product catalogs, who don't have a single public CVE for any product. So you're left to wonder, okay, just like we're talking about, right? Are they finding plenty of CVEs internally and just fixing them and patching them and, you know, but the product is secure? Or is this evidence of just, we're not paying that much attention to this because for whatever reason, you know, we still think of our products as, you know, mechanical machinery in a field that doesn't need to be uh, pen tested. And you don't know from looking at it from the outside, you have no idea because you don't know what what's going on internally. You'd think, well, these are multi-billion dollar companies. They must have something, but, you know, Miller yeah. and Belichick and the Jeep Cherokee, like, you know, so, so you'd be surprised sometimes, right. right? All of that speculation, it's hard to say because if it's not being communicated, all we can do is just, you know, wonder, you know, what's going on uh, within those companies. And, and you're right, it, it spans a number of different industries. It's not just a technology company problem or challenge. I think that that it can create uh, misperceptions for consumers, and that's uh, dangerous as well. I think we're of the mind at Intel that it's much better to be transparent and share the issues rather than to have a consumer, you know, I'm using air quotes, assume that a product is safe just because nothing has been communicated about potential vulnerabilities. That's a very risky venture and uh, one that we re we really don't want to to go down that path. Do you have success or does in, has Intel had success in sort of pushing some of these programs down? Because just because you, I mean, I don't even know how many customers Intel has, but I'm sure it's 
bajillions of customers, uh, <laughs> you know, all all through the marketplace from, you know, obviously huge corporations down to, you know, small companies making discrete little components. Is this something that Intel can kind of push down into the marketplace and evangelize? Or is it something where you need the heavy hand of government to come in and sort of say, if you're making an internet connected, you know, consumer electronics, then, you know, you need to meet these benchmarks in terms of, you know, cybersecurity. You know, you need to have vulnerability disclosure program. You need to have a front door for the researchers to come to and, all, you know, all the things that we talk about. You know, there are a number of industry consortiums that we're, we're very actively involved in, especially NIST, you know, is a big one. And that's where we feel that bringing the, the community and industry as a whole together and, and talking through these problems and bringing the and industry experts that are actually living and breathing these problems every day is the most effective approach from our perspective, simply because we, we understand the nuances. We in some cases, understand that things may not necessarily be black and white, that putting a, a hard, fast timeline around the amount of time you have to fix an issue can be incredibly challenging for the researchers, for our engineers. And so, you know, there there needs to be an industry effort to, to focus on these problems, but then also an understanding that you sometimes don't see from a government official who might be writing a, a bill for what they think we need to be applying from a, a coordinated vulnerability disclosure, for example. You know, on the on the flip side, I've been incredibly impressed uh, with the way that Intel really approaches uh, sharing best known methods and, and really working really closely with the industry. And I'll use the PCERT work as an example of that, you know, we have a number of instances I can point to where we're working uh, with other companies, in some cases competitors, to really help support them in standing up their PCERT and to make sure that they have all of the, the pieces in place. Because at the end of the day, again, it's really going to benefit us to be able to have that, that coordination, to have that partnership, to have that strong link to these other companies that have also stood up these P-certs and are doing all the same steps, right? Because then we have that that collaboration and we have those processes that are, are consistent across all these different companies. And so it all benefits the industry as a whole. And that's the really the perspective that we take. And I really appreciate that about Intel in this regard. And um, and I continue to foster it as part of the team that I run. I'll share a happy story, which is, uh, you know, Security Ledger uh, a few months ago was among the websites that broke stories about, you know, exploitable vulnerabilities in these, you know, TCL smart television sets. And that company kind of in response to those was like, you know, we really don't have a security program. And, you know, we, we kind of see that this is a problem. And then I think just today they you know, kind of unveiled their vulnerability disclosure program with some, you know, very pretty, Yay. yeah, pretty meaty <laughs> rewards for, you know, um, uh, security vulnerabilities and, and, you know, a dedicated website and the whole bit. And I was just talking with a researcher who had discovered the initial flaws and, and uh, he was like, yeah, this is pretty good. Like, you know, they, they definitely they definitely were listening and um, and have responded, which is which is encouraging. That's fantastic. Yep. And if we can get to other companies and, and help them understand the importance of investing in security and investing in these these programs and these teams before something happens that gets written about in Security Ledger, then even better. <laughs> 
it is always better to do it proactively than to do it in, in, with a reporter on the other line. Yes, I would, yes, I would absolutely. Strongly urge companies to not wait for me or somebody like me to call you. That's not the position you want to be in. And hopefully we'll get there, but there are still a lot of a lot of companies waiting to hop on the clue train. We have a lot of work to do, but we do, yeah. um, I'm yeah. very encouraged by the progress and just the receptiveness to hearing, you know, how we work and, and yeah. how these things can really, you know, strengthen your systems and, and the industry uh, as well. Well, and some of this is cultural too, right? Like technology companies have been dealing with security, independent security researchers for like two decades, right? So if you're Microsoft, like this is not, you know, you've been dealing with these characters for a long time <laughs> and you're used to it or Intel. Right. But like what you just said, like you use, I'm not going to use the word that you just said, the C word right there, you know, but there's a lot of very interesting <laughs> individuals that work in this industry. Yeah. And, and I think that there's a, there's a hesitancy to try to, or want to engage with them. And it, it needs to be quite yeah. the opposite. You need to bring them into the fold. They're going yeah. to be finding these things yeah. um, regardless and it's really in everyone's best interest to find a way to work right. and engage and, with these communities. And if you're a company who's been making a, just a device, like a mechanical thing, you know, I'm going to use the example of agriculture before, you know, a tractor. This is a new, like the software piece of this and everything that goes along with it is relatively new to you. You know, maybe you've only made, had software, you know, be a big part you know, maybe internet connected software, internet connected devices might only be five years old in your company, you know, if that. And so your culture, you know, you've kind of suddenly been introduced into this whole world of vulnerability researchers and ODAs and CVEs that is totally new for you as a company and and that you may have kind of plunged ahead with the features without really taking all that into account. So I think culturally there's there's that aspect to it as well that can be hard. Absolutely. Yep. No, I, I appreciate that. It's it's very daunting to to proactively come out and talk about things that are, are wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that are problems. Yeah. You just you want to be like, mm -hmm. mm, you know, just leave us alone. We'll fix it. Everything's, Everything's good. good. Yeah, we're doing great. Now, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, that's not true. Yeah. Hey, Susie, this has been so great. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah. Me too. Thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Susie Greenberg of Intel, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us on Security Ledger Podcast. Thanks, Paul. Susie Greenberg is a vice president at Intel and general manager of security communications and incident management in the Intel Product Assurance and Security Group. You've been listening to the Security Ledger Podcast. This episode of the podcast was sponsored by Intel. Intel is an industry leader creating world-changing technology that enables global progress and enriches lives. Inspired by Moore's Law, Intel continually works to advance the design and manufacturing of semiconductors to help address customers' greatest challenges. By embedding intelligence in the cloud, network, edge, and every kind of computing device, Intel unleashes the potential of data to transform business and society for the better. To learn more about Intel's innovations, check them out at intel.com. Mom.